episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Now more than ever, we have an opportunity to be a positive force in the world, to help heal the divide, to treat each other and ourselves with respect. But with so many tools out there, from meditation to physical training, proper nutrition, therapy, and so many others, we all need a little help navigating all the options. Join us as we share in-depth information, insights, and thought-provoking discussions that will help answer your questions about how to stay calm, cool, and connected during these times. Welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected, your guidebook to peace of mind. Hello and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Bedrick. Alzheimer's disease is the most common type of dementia and often starts with mild symptoms and progresses into severe cognitive declines. This can impact memory, thoughts, speech, and even one's ability to function just through their general daily tasks. Alzheimer's disease is an incredibly tragic and life-altering disease for both the individual diagnosed as well as the friends and family of this individual. Joining us today is Katie McDonough. Katie is the Director of Program and Services for the Alzheimer's Association and is going to be providing us with further insights today on this tragic disease and how it impacts the individual and family members. So hi, Katie. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your role um, with the Alzheimer's Association. What do you do with them and a little bit about your background there? Sure. So I am the Director of Programs and Services for the Alzheimer's Association Southeastern Virginia Chapter. I am a licensed clinical social worker, so I have nearly 15 years experience focusing uh, my career on working with older adults and including those who are faced with diagnosis of dementia and their caregivers. So I have provided this work in a variety of settings, you know, providing clinical care, case management all across the board. I really have had really wonderful opportunities to work with these families and help them navigate this disease. So you have experience and exposure from multiple different angles, and it sounds like with with the individual who was diagnosed, but also the loved ones and what that experience is like for them. Can you tell our listeners what is Alzheimer's disease? How would you best summarize that? Sure. So I'll first start by explaining what dementia is, because often we get those terms confused. So dementia is a uh, word that describes a set of symptoms that interrupt cognition, personality, changes in daily function, really, you know, changes that affect our brain. Alzheimer's is one of the many diseases that can cause dementia, and it is the most common cause of dementia, anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of those cases of dementia. At the Alzheimer's Association, although our name reflects Alzheimer's, we do provide services and care and support to those who are impacted by all types of dementia. Okay, and from a statistical standpoint, how many people, let's say even just in the U.S., are diagnosed or or are living with this condition presently? Well, over 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's disease right now. We know that one in three seniors will be diagnosed with Alzheimer's. We know that there are about 11 million caregivers nationwide who are providing unpaid care, and they're providing $257 billion worth of care to somebody who's impacted by Alzheimer's or dementia. 
So not only do we have those who are directly impacted by a diagnosis, but certainly there are all kinds of risk factors for those who are providing care as well. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of these symptoms that first start to surface um, that become, you know, this is a concern, this is something we should probably explore further? Sure. So with Alzheimer's disease, we often see changes in short-term memory that start very early. We also see, you know, you know, memory changes that interrupt daily life, that an individual's ability to function independently. We see folks, you know, kind of having challenges with performing daily functions like, you know, balancing a checkbook or remembering how to get to a familiar place in the car maybe start forgetting names of people. Those are all common symptoms of Alzheimer's. But those symptoms can vary depending on the type of dementia. That's why it's really important for us uh, to get folks diagnosed and kind of understand better what's happening to them. What do you usually suggest? So is it most common that an individual recognizes this within themselves or is it more common for a loved one to start to see these symptoms? Like how is it usually first recognized? Typically, we see loved ones who are around um, individuals in their lives on a daily basis that see those changes. Individuals can see those changes too, but sometimes may not may not necessarily want to admit that they're seeing those changes. Sure. There's still like a, a very strong stigma that is connected to cognitive impairment. And so it can be very scary to kind of admit to oneself and others that these symptoms occur. So, you know, it often takes time for people to see patterns happening. And certainly if if someone is concerned about a loved one, we want them to have that conversation. We can certainly help guide folks through how to do that. And then ultimately we want them to talk to their primary care physician about that. So that is usually the first step is for them to first talk with the individual and then hopefully they can together have that appointment and start that initial evaluation. Absolutely. Yes. What, when somebody is first diagnosed, what do you usually see in terms of how this impacts their mental health and what is, what are some common responses to it? And then also how do you help them to cope and work towards acceptance? Sure. So very often denial is, you know, kind of a a defense mechanism that a lot of folks use. And it's very common and very normal for that to happen, to just kind of write it off or try to explain it off as something else. Or, you know, depending on the person's age, not even really understanding that that could in fact be, that cognitive impairment could in fact be the problem. And we also, you know, we see, as you might imagine, anxiety and depression are very, very often comorbidities with a dementia diagnosis. It's, again, a very stigmatized disease, and it's very challenging for one to, you know, be diagnosed with disease that, you know, you know, will impair their lives the way that it does. Yeah. Yeah. And are there research proven most effective modalities, like therapeutic modalities for, would it be the general cognitive behavioral therapy or what, what therapeutic modalities are most common used? So I think with those particular kind of, you know, mental health challenges, we definitely want folks to particularly, whether it's the caregiver or the person living with the diagnosis, we want, you know, them to seek help. For for those who are living with a diagnosis, it can be a challenge because depending on where they are in the disease process, 
you know, traditional therapy may not be something that is that, that they can actually have, they actually have the cognition to be able to follow through on. So when it comes to somebody who's living with a diagnosis, we definitely want to make sure that we stage the disease to, to figure out kind of where, how we can intervene. We certainly know that there is, there are different types of modalities depending on the stage of the disease that we can intervene around music therapy, art therapy, general socialization. We want to make sure that particularly in the early stages, those living with Alzheimer's connect with other folks who are living with Alzheimer's so that they can build that community and build that support around them. Right. And with the loved ones, I would imagine you're also seeing quite a bit of an increase in anxiety and depression and those mental health concerns. Do you provide support for loved ones as well, or you provide resources to get them connected? Yes, we definitely want to make sure that they connect with the Alzheimer's Association. We have a 24-7 helpline that's available 365 days a year. That helpline is 1-800-272-3900. They can connect with... um, trained in many cases, licensed clinical social workers that can kind of walk them through an initial consultation and then make sure that they work with their local chapter to get plugged into local resources, therapists that are experienced in this area, and certainly other community supports that, you know, have, you know, provide wraparound services related to Alzheimer's and dementia. Okay, great. And are there any other resources that you would recommend for people listening? Maybe if they have concerns, if they're starting to see symptoms, uh, so whether it's books or are there other resources? Yeah, we definitely want them to connect to us, alz.org. There is a, a ton of information on our website for for someone at any kind of stage of this or their role in this, whether they're living with a diagnosis or whether they are providing care. Definitely with caregivers, we want to make sure that we're connecting them to education. So nationwide, we provide community education anywhere from the basic facts of the disease all the way to how do, how do you have that conversation with your loved one? How do you, walking you through those steps. We also have a, a network of caregiver support groups throughout the country and support groups that are designed for those living in the early stages of the disease and their care partners. So we really want to connect them to those association services, as well as identifying what their needs are, that there may be other community resources are that they need to be connected to. Okay, so that's great. So they can find your website and it sounds like there's a lot of really valuable information there. Absolutely. And wherever you live in this country, there is an Alzheimer's Association chapter that um, you can connect with. So the best way to get in touch with that chapter is to call that helpline. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here today, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected. Please make sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram, and also make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast so that others can find our content as well. Thank you again for joining us in this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected.